Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email. And that email came from a woman by the name of Crystal. And Crystal said to me, Dear Carol, my spouse can't stop talking to women online in line, and anywhere he encounters them. His conversations online get sexual, and he believes that these hot young girls are real. He has doled out presents, gift cards, money, and all sorts of expensive items like laptops, computers, iPhones. He says he loves me, but he won't stop finding these girls on unsavory sites. It's as if he is addicted to the chase and to the giving. How does that work? How could he be so generous with them and not with me? And in addition to that, How could he not be and know that he is being used? He's also turned into a chronic liar. You know, he gets lost in his fantasy world with no regards of how it affects me and our five children. He guards his phone like it's pure gold. We did have an agreement. He had to let me see it when he was serious about stopping this. But, Carol, that has not lasted. Please tell me what to do because I am so confused. I deserve more than this, and I don't know how to get it. 
again, signed Crystal. Okay, Crystal, I want to educate you a little bit. Um, Your man needs to walk his talk. And it doesn't sound like he's doing that right now. I suspect he has not hit deal-breaking behavior. You see, addicts who are acting out don't necessarily want to change until the consequences become stiff. You know, maybe he gets extorted for $50,000. I don't say that casually because I understand that's your money too. Maybe he meets one of them and he finds out, as you indicated at the beginning of your email, that she is a he and he gets mugged, almost left for dead. Perhaps he gets stabbed, poisoned, beat up. All these things have happened to my clients. Well, it's my clients, I should say. This is a very dangerous world. And what I know to be true is that men don't know how dangerous it is until they experience it over and over again. So your question to me, um, you know, well, in actuality, I don't really know that you have a question for me. When I reread this, It's like you're telling me about his behaviors, but you're not asking me, how can I leave? How can I set consequences? What do I need to do? Well, you know, only you can know. One of the things being a partner-sensitive trauma therapist for, for people like you is that I say you get to decide when, where, and how. You decide how you want to do it, whether you want to leave. If you want to leave, how can you make it as um, transitional for you as possible? I'm promising you that I don't see one thing in his behavior that shows he is going to stop. And so you're going to have to make this a much more tolerable situation or decide to leave yourself. And I didn't see anything in this email that says that you want to leave. You just wanted to talk about how frustrated you were because he's got behaviors that are unacceptable and yet they look like they're pretty commonplace. So, why don't you spend some quiet time and decide what are your consequences going to be? Maybe you've stopped sleeping with him or maybe you decide that you're going to. Maybe you send him into a different room to sleep. Maybe you ask him to leave. Maybe you stay in the same home, but you build on your own self-esteem. You figure out what it will take to make you feel happier. And you know, what I know about addicts that can't maintain good recovery is that they really don't want it yet. Because when they do, the recovery tools are adequate. They will help them. They will get them into abstinence. 
But when they're really not wanting to quit yet, nothing is going to change. So, Crystal, I'm super sorry, but I can't wave that magic wand of mine and make him change. But I really can't. He's got to hit some deal-breaking behaviors. He's probably got to hit some rock-bottom behaviors. And, again, maybe he'll get hurt. Maybe he'll lose significant money. Maybe he'll lose his job. Uh, Maybe he'll be threatened by somebody's husband. I just had a man who was shot. Uh, I just had a woman, a pregnant woman, who was pushed down to the floor when the husband tried to come into the house looking for her husband. I'm promising you, this thing gets serious. So hang in there. Get yourself a certified therapist who knows sex addiction and partner trauma and work on yourself. Figure out what it is that you need to feel as safe as possible in an unsafe situation. And that's about the best you can do for right now. Keep those kids safe and keep yourself safe. Try to find an additional lifestyle that will support you. If you're not going to church, maybe find a church group. If you don't exercise, maybe get into a fitness class. If you don't have a hobby, maybe take an art class. Just do something for you. Okay. That's what I advise. And I'm a big believer in getting support just in general. Uh, I just did a YouTube for addicts on, you know, knowing, knowing how to increase their conviction. Um, I've actually put several on because now that I'm done with those post, uh, the post-traumatic growth course for partners and the Help Her Heal course for addicts, I get a little breathing room, and it feels wonderful. I can go back to making some YouTube videos. Look me up. I have two different types of YouTube videos. I have one under Carol Sheets, um, and it, it, they are for addicts, partners, and couples. And then I have some Take Your Life to the Next Level um, YouTubes, and they are just really an opportunity for you to to really look at your life and decide you're going to make it better. Um, and, and, you know, it has nothing to do with being an addict or a partner. It's about taking your life to the next place so that you can live out some of your dreams, some of your goals, and some of your passions. I really believe in that. And you well know that I have this podcast. Yes, I do. Um, this podcast, Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And then I have one on Thursday afternoons called Betrayal Recovery Radio. And that's specifically for partners. And then I'm super excited to let my female partners know, I know I just got my first request from a male partner, um, that we're going to Italy the end of, let's see here, the end of July with uh, a travel agency called Street Adventures Tours. And I'm going to be presenting most mornings on trauma and being able to make better decisions using your head, heart, and gut and finding happiness and knowing how to do that. And then just 
developing that passion. I wrote a shortcut manual called Finding Your God-Given Dream, and we're going to talk about how do you move into post-traumatic growth and make your life better. That is definitely what I want people to do. So we're going to be in Italy for eight days. It's going to be fabulous. And if you're an addict and you want to treat your wife to something very, very, very special, it's not cheap, but it's well worth the tour. And, again, it is going to be uh, July 25th for eight days. So I think that makes it to August 3rd. We are going to be going to Florence. We're going to be we're, we're being hosted by an Italian um, Tuscany retreat center, and there's a pool, and we're going to take lots of walks. It's going to be an opportunity for rest, relaxation, and restoration. I don't think men can come, so if you're a male partner, I'm sorry. Maybe I can book something specifically for you. But for my women's partners, it's a way to say, hey, I am going to do something for me. I deserve that. I'm worth that. And I would love to meet you and support you for that week. It really makes a difference to me to be able to help others. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, what I know is that this is a tough business and it's, it's hard on everybody, but when change occurs and recovery is strong, wow, you know, it really, really involves people transitioning and changing their lives for the better. And I'm all about that. You know, you heard me say it. You make, if you were in good recovery, you make the best men and women out there. So I can't say enough for people who are working the program, living the principles, and doing the next best thing. Uh, that's what life's all about, no matter who you are or where you, where you live or what you've done or what you want. You can definitely make your life better. If you work your recovery and practice principles that work, create support, and just really allow yourself an opportunity to develop into the person that you really want to be. Now, tonight, I am really excited because we have an author who's written Sex and Addiction, Healing, and Recovery. It's a daily reader for sex and addicts. And this book will help addicts in recovery because it shares the daily nuggets of information and wisdom that can guide you towards making healthy choices. So, Scott, welcome to the show. This is a fabulous book. Oh, thank you, Carol. Yeah, you've really Hello. got the gift. You really do. <laughs> Thanks. Can you, can you tell our audience, because they're addicts, they're partners, they're couples, can you let them know what made you decide to write this book specifically? Um. Well, um, I've been in uh, sex addiction recovery for almost, well, actually, I think we're hitting the 20-year mark right now. Um, and there just uh, there was one book out there um, that it was a very sort of uh, ethereal, spiritually focused book. And for a lot of recovering sex and porn addicts, that's just not very helpful. Um, and it was more of a general book. It really wasn't very specific 
Um, so I wanted to, and it was also dated when it did actually talk about sex and porn addiction. So I wanted to do something that was really up to date that provided um, not only some inspiration and some spiritual inspiration, just some general inspiration, but information about what these addictions are, what they look like, um, including love addiction, um, how they manifest, um, the effects they have on addicts, the effects they have on partners, um, and what recovery looks like. And then each day there's also a task, um, something you can do to further your recovery today. So it's, I wanted something that was really informational and really practical um, because it just didn't exist for recovering sex and porn addicts. Well, no kidding. So you saw a need, and there was something out there, but it was 30 years old, and it was time to add to the old wisdom and create something new. And so this book, Sex and Porn Addiction, Healing and Recovery, a practical daily reader for sex and porn addicts, is you know published anonymously, and it's to help yeah. addicts kind of find a, a foundational group of principles that they can live by. So can you tell us a little bit about what's in this book and what could our listeners expect when they buy it? Um, yeah, this is really kind of a, a soup to nuts um, book about sex and porn addiction um, and the process of healing and recovery, you know, what they are in active addiction and, and, and how to get through recovery. Um, you know, each month um, has one of the 12 steps featured. Um, so there'll be usually four or five of the, the daily readings. We'll focus on a step for that month, like January focuses on step one, February on step two. And, and so you go through the year. So the book will work you through the 12 steps um, with a lot of very practical advice. Um, there's a lot in here about denial um, and breaking through denial, recognizing denial, breaking through denial. Um, there's a lot about you know, what is sex addiction treatment? Um, most people, when they come into sex addiction treatment or when they enter sex addiction recovery, they have no idea what to expect with treatment, with therapy or with inpatient or 12-step or meetings. Um, you know, there are readings on all of those things. Um, you know, there are some just general inspirational readings. Um, today um, is called Who Are You Going to Be Today? Um, and it talks about, you know, the fact that sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And it gives some advice about what to do when that happens, um, you know, letting us know that we're in control of our day. And um, I actually woke up this morning in a terrible mood. And I read this, and I went back into my bedroom, and I started the day over. Um, you know, I did my 11th step, which is a spiritual connection, and I did a gratitude list. And, and I felt better, and I, I've had a really good day. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's, I mean, there's practical stuff. I wrote the book, and it still helps me. Um, you know, there's a lot in here about guilt and shame, um, and, you know, the difference between the two. Um, you know, guilt is... I did something bad. I feel terrible about it. I wish I hadn't done it. I think I'll behave differently in the future. Um, shame is a very different animal. Shame is I am bad. Not I did something bad. I am bad. There's something wrong with me. Um, and I can't change because I'm inherently defective. Um, you know, shame is just a toxic, you know, quicksand cesspool that sucks us down in and keeps us stuck in our bad behavior. 
So there's a lot about that, and there's a lot about healing from shame because that underlies almost all addictions, uh, especially sex and porn addiction. Um, so it's just it's a real gamut of you know everything that a, a sex and porn addict who wants to recover would need to know, um, but in bite-sized pieces, which I think is helpful. Oh, absolutely. And it really is an opportunity to follow the calendar, the yearly calendar, and apply something in their in one's life that is meaningful. For instance, today is January 27th, and it is, who are you going to be today? At this moment, I am the right person in the right place at the right time. And just as you said, when you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, how can you get back to believing that you are the right person and right. things are going to be okay and you don't have to choose to be miserable even though you wake up that way? And let's face it, um, sometimes it means thanking our higher power for one sobriety. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about that on January 27th. And, and so it's inspirational. It's motivational, and it, it felt like as I was reading through these that it was like you had a guide, a mentor, or a coach with you um, as you read this book to, to navigate you back onto the right path. I'm glad you said that because it's, that's really kind of what I wanted this book to be. I mean, everybody needs their, their therapist, their coach, their sponsor, whatever it is. But sometimes we need a little more than that or that person isn't available. Um, and, and, you know, this is a way for people to, to, to get back on. Um, and, you know, I, I also um, – I've already been to meetings. The books just came out, but I've been to meetings where they're using this as the reading to kick off the meeting, um, you know, it, because it should always spark discussion, um, and that's, that's been mm. uh, really sort of gratifying. That's part of the reason I wrote it. Uh, anonymously, even though my name is on Amazon, um, I published it anonymously because I wanted it to be used in 12-step books or in 12-step meetings, and they, they usually won't do that if somebody's name is on the book. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they're not endorsing one person. They're endorsing a philosophy and the principles. And, yeah. and um, I love that you cite different people. For instance, February 16th, recovery requires other people. And I'm always talking about the 10 recovery tools. And, yeah. you know, the great UCLA basketball coach and philosopher John Wooden once said, failure is not fatal, but failure to change might be. Recovering sex and porn addicts could use this as a mantra. And that's no kidding. I mean, the people that are stuck in my practice they really haven't decided that they want to change. They kind of want one foot in their acting out and one foot in being the person they want to be, and that just doesn't work. They have to make the decision to change. And this John Wooden quote is so inspirational to, to get somebody to realize that sex addiction can be fatal. It really can yeah. be fatal. So then yeah, absolutely. let me just ask you, you, com- you compiled quotes and ideas and principles, and how did you do this? You just just kept collecting and collecting and collecting? How did you do it? Um, <laughs> first of all, let, let me just say, 
uh, you know, this book did not happen overnight. I was writing this book off and on for at least seven or eight years um, uh-huh. before I had enough that I was happy with, um, that, that I felt like I could actually compile the book and put it out. Um, you know, I, I've been in um, sex addiction recovery for 20 years, um, substance abuse recovery for 18 years. Um, and I'm, um, you know, I go to a lot of meetings. I go to four or five meetings a week. Um, I write um, about uh, addiction and recovery and the process of healing and mental health on a regular basis. That's what I do for a living. Um, mostly I ghostwrite for other people or edit other people's books or, you know, help them with academic articles, things like that. So I've been exposed to a lot of research and a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts Um you know, mostly from real leaders in the sex addiction uh, recovery field. Um, I've interviewed you for for our website um, in the past. So, you know, um, this, you know, this, it, but mostly this stuff comes from 12-step meetings. Um, somebody will say something really, really fascinating, and I'll think, oh, I need to write a paragraph about that. And then I'll just search out a quote that goes with it and think of a task um, that people can do to sort of put that idea into um, their daily practice. Um, so it, it was, it was a slow, slow process. And um, it was stuff that resonated with me as a recovering addict. So I hope it resonates with other recovering addicts because it, you know, it's a very personal book in that respect, even though I don't really talk about myself in the book or write about myself at all. Um, no, you don't. As a matter of fact, since you brought me up, I've got to tell you, Scott was <laughs> instrumental in helping me write an article on pro-dependence. Um, Scott is Director of Content Development for Seeking Integrity Treatment Centers, which most of you know um, is associated with um, Rob Weiss and and Dr. David Fawcett, and who we just had on about chemsex a couple of weeks ago, and you didn't tell me you were writing this book. You just helped me to write that article, and then interviewed me for a podcast so that you could um, write about me. And you didn't tell me anything about this, and so this is really really cool. Although, if I'm not mistaken, Scott. You and I have some some historical roots. Is that correct? Uh, well, we're, we're Hoosiers, both of us. I'm not there now, but That's I'm a Hoosier. <laughs> I know it. And, I, you know, there's just something about Hoosiers. I heard you say four, and you said four. And there's something about our accent. We have just a <laughs> little twang in our voice, no matter. Because yep. you're, you're looking out in L.A., aren't you? Um, well, I'm in Palm Springs, which is a little bit east of LA, kind of in the desert. But um, but yeah, okay. I'm, uh, I've been in Southern yeah. California for 20 years. But I'll still drop a y'all every once in a while. <laughs> Just <laughs> it'll come Me out of my too. mouth. I think, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that makes us human, and we, you know, yeah. so it just shows that we are um, all unnatural. So I I just really appreciate the fact that you don't uh, you don't give yourself a lot of PR. Somebody else told me about your book and I had to reach out to you and say, Hey, I want to see this book and I want to have you on my podcast because Scott helped me with this article and I knew he was a proficient writer. And 
having that title of Director of Content Development for Seeking Integrity Treatment Centers absolutely means that you've got the skill. And that's why I tell my listening audience all the time, if something's well-written, get it. And this book not only is inspirational, motivational, but it, it really is well-written. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's nice mm-hmm. to hear. <laughs> a lot of time and effort. So, um, yeah. Let's talk so, a little um, bit just, about... Just, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no. So you go first. I was going to plug our treatment center, but in addition to seeking integrity treatment centers, which, which treat sex addiction, porn addiction, and paired substance sex addiction, we have a free resources website called sexandrelationshiphealing.com, um, and it's, it provides free resources for addicts, for partners of addicts, for therapists who treat addicts. Um, we focus on sex and porn addiction, but we deal with everything. Um, we have webinars that are free. We have drop-in discussion groups that are free. We have podcasts like Carol's that are free. Um, we have all kinds of written material and lists of resources that are free. Um, you can contact us with questions. We'll point you in the right direction so you get the help you need. Um, and it's all free. So I really want to push sexandrelationshiphealing.com for anybody who has issues with sex or porn or infidelity or the loved one of somebody like that or even therapists who might be tuning in. Yeah, well, and, we and, all know um, that it's one of the best podcasts in the world that Rob does, and, and he is able to get just the, the experts in the, in, in the field. And you are an expert, too on sex and porn right. addiction. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, okay. Could you talk a, a bit about how you describe sex and porn addiction to people who may not understand what these issues are all about? Uh, well, sure. Um, you know, the, the, the first thing that everybody who's not a, a, a sex addict hears when they hear the term sex addict is, ooh, fun, sign me up. That sounds fabulous. Um, what they don't realize is, is it is every bit as awful as heroin addiction or, or meth addiction. It's every bit as painful and destructive as any other addiction. Gambling addiction, you know, it destroys, it destroys lives of addicts and people around the addict. Um, you know, we use the word addiction for a reason because it is an addiction. The way we define um, sex addiction um, is pretty much the same way we define any addiction. It's a preoccupation to the point of obsession with the substance or the behavior, in this case, sex, porn, whatever. Um, but it could be gambling or alcohol or whatever. We think about it all the time. We're planning for it. We're, you know, I'm going to go down to my dealer's house as soon as I get my paycheck, you know, and I'm sneaking out of work early. You know, it's, it's an obsession. Um, the second criteria is loss of control over use. Um, which means I've tried and failed to cut back or quit multiple times. I can't tell you how many times I swore I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do this again. And, you know, hours later or maybe, maybe I'd get two or three days or even a week away from, from the behavior that I was trying to get rid of. Um, and, but then I'd be back at it. You know, porn addicts, they will download porn and they organize their files and then they feel bad about it. So they delete everything and cancel their porn memberships and all this stuff. 
and then a week later, they're doing it again. Um, it's loss of control. And then the third criteria and, and final criteria is negative consequences related to, you know, your out of control use of the substance or behavior. Um, and that's everything from ruined relationships, which are very common with sex and porn addicts, um, to financial consequences, legal consequences, um, trouble at work, trouble in school, um, you know, loss of interest in previously enjoyable activities, any addict on the planet, if you say, what's your hobby? They're going to look at you like you're crazy because they don't have one. Their hobby is their addiction. You know, they may have had a hobby before the addiction, but not after. Um, so, you know, it's you know, depression, anxiety, stress, low self-esteem, shame, uh, shame, shame, shame. Um, we feel tremendous shame about who we are, and, and, and the things we're doing. Um, shame is the underlying factor. I think you'll agree with me. Tell me if you don't. That shame is an underlying factor in every addiction. Oh, 100%. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most and addictions uh, stem from early life trauma um, within the home, outside the home, you know, bullying, neglect, abuse you know, physical, emotional, psychological abuse, sexual abuse. Um, As kids, um, we internalize blame for that. Um, And and we think it must be our fault. And and that becomes shame. And it's the message that bounces between our ears for the rest of our lives until we debunk those lies. Um, You know, shame is, it, it tells us we're defective. It tells us there's something wrong with us. It tells us that you know, we're just not a good person. Um, and that will drive us into alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, whatever, as a way to escape that horrible, horrible feeling. I mean, nothing in the world feels worse than shame. Uh, you know, maybe betrayal is, is up there with shame, but those, those are just awful feelings. Nobody wants to feel that. Well, and, and that was a really good differentiation between both of those things. Now, I, I want another differentiation. Do you believe that sex and porn addiction variations um, are the same thing? I mean, do you see them differently, or do you think they're one and the same? Um, yes and no. Um, you, know, uh, um, you know, to me, sex addiction is um, – using sexual fantasy and sexual behaviors either solo or with others to escape emotional discomfort. Um, So sex addicts, you know, they use their sexual fantasy and behavior and it's more fantasy than behavior, by the way, um, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. Um, They use the fantasy and behavior to escape. Porn addicts are doing the same thing. You know, by that definition, porn addiction and sex addiction are the same thing because I'm using porn, which is a fantasy and a behavior, to escape my uncomfortable feelings. Um, Now, what we find is a lot of people who are purely porn addicts, um, you know, I have guys in my 12-step meeting here in Palm Springs where I live who've never had sex with an actual person. You know, they're 25 years old, and the only sexual encounters they have had involve porn or maybe a webcam or a chat or something like that, you know, video chat. Um, you know, they've never 
touched another human being in a sexual way, and they struggle to identify as sexually addicted. They readily identify as porn addicts. Um, you know, we call it pixel sex sometimes. You know, they're addicted to pixel sex, um, and usually they come into recovery because they want to have a healthy, normal, whatever normal means, relationship, and they don't know how because they started looking at porn when they were 10, and all they know about sex and romance is porn. Um, you know, and they want to ask a girl out or a guy out or whatever, and they don't know how to do it. And then if they get on a date, they don't know what to do on a date. And if the other person, you know, is feeling amorous, they don't know how to respond. Um, so, you know, they will differentiate themselves at, from, from, sex, from sex addicts. Uh, and, you know, I think it's important to respect that. Um, and then the other thing we're seeing with porn users, um, particularly those who start young and often before puberty. I mean, kids today look at porn before puberty sets in, period. Male, female, doesn't matter. They are all exposed to porn. Um, and that in itself can be traumatic, you know, the kind of thing that creates shame, um, which is why I think we're seeing a real uh, – kind of a, a tidal wave of sex addiction that's hitting the world right now with young people. But with these young people, there are, you know, there are, we're seeing two different categories of porn addicts. There's a conditioned porn addict, you know, these, you know, somebody who's a young person who doesn't really have significant childhood trauma, you know, good family, no, you know, nobody died, no divorce. The parents are, you know, not addicts, you know, steady jobs. There's, you know, there's no real trauma. They're not a bullied or, or neglected or, or any of that stuff, but they're still addicted to porn because they've become conditioned to it. Then there's the more traditional category of, of kids who, you know, they've been traumatized that, you know, they really are using porn as an escape. Um, the, the symptoms and everything looks the same with those two categories until you start treating them. Um, the conditioned category of porn addicts will recover much, much, much faster and much, much, much easier. What they need is to, to be separated from the behavior and then to learn the social skills that they didn't learn because they were busy looking at porn. The traditional porn addicts, they need to be separated from the behaviors. It's two steps forward, one step backward. They're going to have to address their trauma all of that stuff, it, it gets very different when you start treating them. So uh, that's a very long-winded answer to a short question. But I, I think that, you know, the simple definition of sex addiction and porn addiction, no, there's not a difference between the two. But when we start looking at the nuances, there really is a difference, especially when we get into the conditioned porn addicts, um, because they don't have these extensive trauma histories like most, most other addicts. Um, right, absolutely. So. And and again, it's such an auto-exacerbating situation when porn's involved because, as you indicated, they don't have relational skills. So it's right. very intimidating to be with another person. And then they've trained their brain to want a certain type of sexual relationship so they can't right. perform, which sends them back into isolation, too. Yeah, and, and um, you know, there's one of the things we're seeing with young guys, sometimes, you know, sometimes still in their teens, is erectile dysfunction. And it's related mm -hmm. to porn use. Um, they can only 
become fully aroused. They can only maintain an erection, actually breach orgasm with, you know, this constantly, this constantly changing, super intense stimulus of porn. If they're with, the, you know, their one girlfriend, um, she's not enough because they're used to this, you know, it's like a hit of cocaine and a hit of cocaine and a hit of cocaine and a hit of cocaine. And their girlfriend just can't do that because she's one person and she's a human being. And, um, you know, and she may have, you know, there, there are odors and, you know, tastes and, and touch sensations that these, these, you know, they've never experienced before that, you know, I, you know, sex is messy and dirty and, and kind of weird sometimes. And, you know, when you're looking at porn, you're hooked into this fantasy where everything's perfect. Um, and it's just, and they just can't perform in a real world situation, no matter how attractive they find their partner, no matter how much they want to be with that person, no matter how much they care, they can't perform. Um, so it's, you know, the, the impact of sex and porn addiction, you know, like I, we started out talking about, you know, it's really an awful thing. Um, and it destroys lives. And yeah, it's just miserable. Well, and unfortunately, I was referencing um, this issue with a woman today, and she said, my husband won't give up porn or masturbation, but he uh, it, he he affirms that he is in good recovery. And I said, your husband's not good in, in good recovery. He's lighting up his, his biggest sex organ, the brain. and. Yeah. He's fantasizing, and as you referenced earlier, fantasy is a type of sexual addiction. And so she says, why? Why would he rather do that than be with me? And and I explained it. I said, there are three basic reasons. One is something you just referenced. Sex is messy, and it has its own smells and touches and tastes. And so for this man, I happen to know her husband, he's lazy. He, not putting him down, but he doesn't put effort into anything. And so it's much easier to perform sex on himself than it is to engage with another person. And then yeah. secondly, he's not relational. So he, he doesn't want to be relational in, relational in part because she's always mad at him and also because that takes effort. To have a relationship yeah. takes great effort. And then third, it's just it's a lot more difficult when you're not relational to want to engage in sex. And and so I said, you know, he's got to shut that stuff down so that we can begin to help him with that relationship. Um, but he's not interested; she is, and he's not willing to right. do it for her. So that then means she has to focus on herself and figure out how can she, in safe ways get that emotional need met of belonging and laughing and, you know, we need seven hugs a day. So if she hugs her girlfriends and her kids and her dog, she's got three or four good hugs right there waiting for her. It, yeah. It's tough. It's very tough. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more with any of that. You know, betrayed partners, they just it's like being run over by a truck, you know, because you just – Sex and porn addicts are not going to meet anyone's needs but their own. 
you know, until they truly get into recovery and truly work on connecting with other people, which is very, very difficult and scary. Um, you know, most sex addicts and addicts in general, we turn to our addictions because we're scared to turn to other people. You know, we learned that other people will reject us. They will humiliate us. They won't meet our needs in a healthy way. So we turn to something that we have control over, a substance or a behavior. Um, and part of recovery is learning to rely on other people. Um, and it's, it's very scary to be vulnerable in that way um, when you've never had success with it. Um, and it's just a lot easier to turn to something that, that we can numb out with. Um, I did want to add um, the, about the sex addiction being more about the fantasy. I did want to go back to that. You, you brought it up again. Um, there's actually a term for this. We call it the bubble um, with sex addicts. Sex addicts are in the bubble. Um, it's when they're fantasizing about sex. Um, they can be in the bubble for two or three days before they actually are sexual, you know, with themselves or another person because the goal orgasm ends the high of sex addiction orgasm ends it it throws you back into the real world um, with all the things you wanted to escape in the first place whereas this bubble this trance of uh, of sexual fantasy and arousal um, basically you're on drugs the whole time i mean it's the same part of the brain as being activated with sexual arousal as with cocaine or meth or heroin or alcohol. Um, so sex addicts, you know, alcoholics, they want to be drunk all the time. Sex addicts, we want to be in our bubble all the time. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's kind of and an important point to make about sex addiction. It is, and I'm not sure that everybody's heard of that term, so I appreciate you explaining that. Let me remind our listening audience that I'm talking to Scott Brassard. He's the Director of Contact Development for Seeking Integrity Treatment Centers. That is uh, a center associated with Dr. Robert Weiss and Dr. David Fawcett. And um, he has just had published a book called Sex and Porn Addiction Healing and Recovery, a practical daily reader for sex and porn addicts. So this book is a daily reader and guide into how to enrich your life with many of the principles that come straight from the 12 steps, but not all of them do. I know, I know that you, that is your goal. Um, so I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned in your book that sex addiction is not about sex. Now, you may need to explain that to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, you know, sex, it's not about so The first time somebody, the first person who ever said that to me was, was Dr. Weiss, Dr. Rob Weiss. And I was like, what the bleep are you talking about? Um, and, um, but he was right. And um, sex addiction is not about sex any more than alcoholism is about alcohol. These things are about escape. I or escape and control. I want to escape stress and anxiety and depression and loneliness and boredom and shame and fear and whatever else it is I'm feeling that I don't want to feel. I want to shape it. I escape it. I want to control my feelings. And because I'm afraid to turn to other people for emotional support, I'll turn to alcohol or drugs or sex um, to escape. I don't want to have sex. I want to escape. 
um, I'll use a story from my own addiction. Um, you know, I lived in Los Angeles at that when I was in my active addiction, and there was a certain street where you can pick up prostitutes, and I would pick up a prostitute, and I would have sex, and I would think, okay, well, now now everything's good. I can go home, and I would not make it home. I would pick up another prostitute, and that would go on endlessly because it wasn't about the sex. I didn't want sex. I just wanted that intensity and arousal to get me out of my head, to stop the chatter between my ears that told me I'm not good enough. Nobody really likes me. If people knew the truth about me, they'd run screaming from the room with their hair on fire. Um, you know, that's what I, that's what my addiction was about. Um, it was all about my internalized shame and self-hatred and low self-esteem. And and it was self-medicating those symptoms, um, you know, it had nothing to do with a desire for sex. Yeah, that's a great point. And and on the other hand, you know, I work a lot with partner betrayal. I, of course, wrote Help Her Heal. And, and so yeah. many women think that addicts want, prefer sex with other people, with um, the Internet, because they aren't good enough sexually. And I, I have to explain to them that same concept of, yeah. hey, he's not interested in the sex. He's interested in the excitement. He's in, interested in the anticipa- in anticipation. He's interested in the novelty. But it's not yeah. necessarily the sex. So um, I'm sure you and, and Dr. Rob, are, do stop people when you say sex addiction is not about sex. Uh, <laughs> I think we and do. So, I think I read that in your book. Do you? Is that in the book? It, it is in there, yeah, probably in a couple spots. I mean, a lot of the themes repeat um, because, you know, somebody's going to read something in January and they may have forgotten it by July. So it's, the, the concept is in there again that, you know, it'll be differently presented. But uh, the concepts mm-hmm. will repeat throughout the book. And I, I think that's important um, because I, I know in my own recovery, I needed to hear the same thing 20 different times. And, you know, on the 20th time, suddenly it would stick. Um, Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So now let me ask you, what, why do you think that the daily actions that are prescribed in your book are such an important part of the healing process for sex and porn addicts? Well, any addict, really. Um, you know, we don't okay. just go go to meetings, go to go to therapy, or go to twelve step recovery and get well. We have to take action. Um, we have to actively live our life differently, uh, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Um, and, and so, so yeah, I think the and and the feedback I've gotten from people is. I, they, they say things like, I love the daily actions, and I also hate them because I, I realize, oh, crap, I have to do work. I actually have to do this now. Um, it's not just an intellectual exercise. I have to get out of my head and, and make actual changes. I have to actively behave differently. Um, I have to actively do things to help me understand my addiction. You know, so, you know some of the readings on denial are like, you know, write down – three forms, you know, three denial statements, you know, that you've used to make your behavior okay, and then share those with another person in recovery. 
And, you know, I want people to do that because I know for me, um, when I did that, uh, I heard the crazy coming out of my mouth. When I wrote them down, I was like, yeah, that, that makes total sense. But then when I said it out loud to another person, I, I, I was like, oh, dear, <laughs> you know, I got problems. Um, you know, taking an action is how we make changes, you know, how we understand ourselves and make changes. Absolutely. And, again, I really believe that the addicts I work with, they want daily actions. They want to do something. And Pat Carn said it best when he said, to get healthy requires that we substitute old behaviors for new healthy behaviors. So yeah. I'm going to ask you, in addition to reading your book, what, what would you recommend that sex and porn addicts do to make the needed changes in their lives? Um, well, therapy is always recommended. Um, if you're really struggling with denial, you know, go to residential treatment like Seeking Integrity. There are others around the country. I'm not going to act like we're the only one. We're the best. Um, and and 12-step meetings, um, and then you know, actually working the 12 steps. Get a sponsor, work the 12 steps. Um, one thing that every recovering sex and porn addict needs is um, whether we you call it a circle plan or a boundary plan. It depends on what program you're in and what book you're reading. Um, but it's, you know, it basically it's a list of here are my problem behaviors that if I engage in these, I'm not sexually sober. Um, and then there's the next level of that is these are my slippery behaviors and thoughts uh, and emotions that can lead me into my problem behaviors. Things like for me, it's boredom. Boredom is my number one trigger, um, but also anxiety and loneliness. Um, but also if I'm, if I have an argument with somebody, I'm in a slippery place. Um, keeping any kind of a secret, I'm in a slippery place. If I lie to anybody about anything, I'm in a slippery place. If I miss one of my 12 step meetings, that's slippery. So those are kind of my middle boundary behaviors. And then I think everybody needs what we call the outer boundary or the outer circle, um, which are healthy behaviors that I can turn to instead of my addiction. Uh, going for a bike ride, hanging out with friends, seeing a movie, reading, um, you know, writing about recovery, journaling, meditating, playing with the cat, um, you know, going to the grocery store and, you know, picking out, you know, something special for dinner and then coming home and cooking it. Um, you know, cleaning the house. Believe it or not, I'm weird. I like to clean the house. It's, it's an outer boundary activity for me. Um, and I actually kept my outer boundary list, uh, a printed out version in my wallet for years um, so that I would always have it with me. And when I was triggered to act out, when I, when I had that strong urge, you know, the craving, um, back to my addiction, I could pull that out and say, Wherever I was, whatever I was doing, there was something on that list that I could do instead. Um, and, you know, and, and always, 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 and I always I stress this in webinars and, and everything, um, the best thing for me to do and the best thing for any act, addict to do is reach out to other supportive people in recovery. Um, you know, my biggest weapon against my addiction is the phone. Um, and, you know, and I call my friends, and I, I had to practice. Uh, the phone weighed 400 pounds when I got into recovery. Um, I had to practice. Oh, yeah. And now, now I call people, and I don't even have to tell them I'm struggling. I just need to hear their voice. 
um, and that's enough to keep me uh, out of my addiction now. But in the beginning, I would have to say, "Oh, I'm really struggling." Da, 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 and you know, and they'd give me some advice, and you know, and and then we'd just chat for a while, and then you know, the feeling was gone. Um, but yeah, people really need to have a plan for what I'm going to do instead of my addiction, um, because I mm-hmm. spent. You know, my addiction was a full-time job. I had a full-time job, and then I had a second full-time job, which was my addiction. And then I had nothing mm-hmm. else going on in my life. Um, and I had to replace that 30, 40 hours a week of my addiction with something. Um, you know, and that was hard. Oh, absolutely. But obviously it paid off. And we all know the connection really is the antidote to sexual addiction. But yeah, across absolutely. the board. Addicts say the hardest thing for them to do is to reach out and connect and create yeah. that fellowship. Um, yeah. And I just had a group tonight, and they were talking about how tough it is for each and every one of them. It's, it, it works when you're texting on a thread, you know, but in terms yeah. of reaching out and saying, I need some help or, hey, I want to just share yeah. a feeling, it can be really tough. I want to yeah. thank you so much, Scott. I want to remind everybody who you are one last time. Um, I am talking with Scott Brassert. He's the Director of Content Development for Seeking Integrity Treatment Centers with Dr. Rob Weiss and David, Dr. David Fawcett and other leaders in the sex and porn addiction treatment field. And he has written this book. I recommend that everybody get it. I'm not kidding you. Don't take it personal, Scott, but it's wonderful bathroom <laughs> material. It gets you started Perfect. in the morning in the right way. And it's called Sex and Porn Addiction, Healing and Recovery, a Practical Daily Reader for Sex and Porn Addicts. And uh, if they need to get a hold of you, they can contact you at scott at seekingintegrity.com. And, of course, the website are sexandrelationshiphealing.com and SeekingIntegrity.com. So, Scott, thank you so much for all that you do for this field. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show, Carol. It was really fun. Oh, absolutely. Come back. I, 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 want, I want my Hoosier friend to come back, so let me know what you're doing. <laughs> Anytime. And we'll get you booked. All right. You tell, tell everybody I said hello. I will. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Obviously, he is a man that is working hard to provide opportunities for some porn addicts to um, do that daily meditation. I know there's a lot of you that don't like to read, but I'm telling you, his stuff is one to two paragraphs. It's an easy read. I don't know about you, but I put meditation material in the bathroom. That's where I am sure that I'm going to get to at least spend a minute in quiet reflection away from the family, away from the kids, away from the dog, and just focus on me. All right. That's the end of the show. But as I always say, there's only one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself and go out and get this book. And if you've got a wife that you want to treat to Italy, go to my, well, (laughs) send me an email, and I'll get you all the information. Hey, make it a great day out there, and we'll talk to you soon for more sex health with Carol, the coach.